Take your Bible to the book of Acts tonight. The Bible says, Therefore, verse 4 of chapter number 8 of the book of Acts. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. Now I want you to think about this man called Philip. And I want you to think about me with me for just a little while this evening on this thought. The value of one. The value of one. Now go back with me to the book of Acts chapter 6. I want you to think about the value of one. Chapter 2, I mean verse 2 of chapter 6. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them. And said it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore brethren look out among you seven men of honest report. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to minister the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip. The value of one. Chapter 6 and 7 of the book of Acts speaks mainly of a young man by the name of Stephen. He's not a preacher, if you please. He's not an evangelist, if you please. He's been ordained to be a deacon, a servant of the Lord. In verse number, in verse number 2, the Bible talks about calling these folks to serve tables. A servant. In verse 7 and 8, a soul winner. In verse 6, chapter 6 and verse 13, suffered tremendous persecution because of his commitment and loyalty to Christ. Chapter 7, a scriptural sermonizer like not many before, because you'll see him in chapter number 7. Preaching, if you please, proclaiming the word of God and starts with Abraham and goes all the way through to the life of Christ, crucified, buried, and risen again. How do you replace a man 
like Stephen in the local church. A servant, a soul winner, an evangelist. How do you replace that kind of man? Chapter 7, and in the last part of the chapter, we'll see something unusual happens to this man. And the Bible says, uh, verse 55, And being full of the Holy Ghost, he looked up steadfastly unto heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and ran upon him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And the witness lay down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. The value of one. The value of humility. The value of Holy Ghost filling. The value of Holy Ghost soul winning. The value of total 100 commitment to Almighty God. And they laid their clothes at a young man's feet by the name of Saul. Saul, chapter 9, on the road to Damascus, he saw a bright light. And Jesus backhanded him off the back of his steed. He hit the ground and looked up and said, Lord, Lord, the value of one. How do you replace a man like Stephen? The funeral of Stephen and the funeral of many reminds us that how valuable certain individuals are to the body of Christ, the local church. They lamented and grieved much over Stephen, a servant, a spiritual man, a soul winner, a sufferer of persecution, who influenced a young man who stood and held the clothes of those who stoned him to death. The Bible says his face radiated and shined like an angel's face. How do you replace a guy like that in the local church? Surely he'll be missed. But I say to you tonight, probably we've had such funerals around here in 30 some years. We've had those who seemingly impossible to replace. And we've sent them on to glory. And I'm sure they're witnessing tonight what God is doing in this midst. How do you replace key Christians? Would you like to be one of those that in the minds of everybody about you that uh, we just cannot replace that individual. But let me help you just a little bit. We may question God, but none of us are irreplaceable. 
Preacher, when are you going to retire? When you shovel dirt in my face. When my wife walks by my casket and said, no, he does not look good. He looks dead. And if she says, I look good in the casket, I promise you, I'll come out. And I'll chase her all over this church, haunting her because I will not look good. I will look dead. Just thought you'd like to know that. But when a Stephen goes to be with the Lord, somewhere in the background, there's a Philip. If you want to know how long this church will miss you when you're gone, put your finger in a bucket of water. Pull your finger out. And as long as the hole lasts, that's how long it'll take God to replace you or me. Moses is dead. But God has a Joshua. Elijah has taken off in his fiery chariot, but somewhere in Israel there is an Elisha. Oh yes, John Mark may depart because he loves this stinking world, but somewhere there'll be a Silas. And when the devil's crowd think they've stuffed the voice of God and they've stoned a Stephen somewhere, look around, there'll be a Philip. Chapter 8, there's a Philip. The value of one man. And the Bible says, verse 5, then Philip. Oh yes, after the persecution, after the death of Stephen, after a deacon bites the dust, after the funeral, after the mourning, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. The people one accord gave heed to those things which Stephen spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed. What a revival. And many taken with pauses, and that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in the city. Oh, what kind of preacher was Philip? Oh, verse number five, he was a preacher of Christ. The Bible said he preached Christ unto them. A citywide meeting is going on. God works in strange ways. Just think about it. Samaria, that city that is populated by mixed races, Assyrian and Jew, despised of the Jewish people, could not go to the temple to worship, and yet... Here goes a Jew by the name of Philip down to this Gentile heathen city and preaches Christ and a revival breaks out. Don't you know that must have made the, the, the uh, social media of the day? 
That must have made space book immediately. Everybody knew there was a revival going on down in Samaria. And just think about it. The value of one, one Jew committed to Christ after the death of another committed servant went down and preached Christ in a heathen Gentile city and revival broke out. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something a revival breaks out? Well, how long's a meeting going to last? How long is it going to last? Today we brag about how long meetings last. Let me show you how long the meeting lasts. If you would please look at verse number 26. And the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, The revival's over. Arise, yeah, arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man, one man, one man, what in the world? Is going on. Has God lost all of his wisdom? A tremendous earth-shaking revival going on. And the man who caused that revival has now been sent. Shut her down. I got a fella in a chariot. I want you to go meet. The value of one. The value of one deacon committed totally to Christ. And they laid their clothes at a young man's feet by the name of Saul. Oh, he authored 14 books in your New Testament. Oh, he's the reason the gospel went to Europe. And across the Atlantic and to New England and down the New England seaboard across the Mississippi into the West. And now we're known as the Bible Belt. The value of one. What logical sense could it make to shut down what's going on in Samaria? For one black man in a chariot in the hot desert sands at noon. What kind of wisdom? Have you ever questioned God's wisdom? You say, no, not in public. Have you ever said, why me, Lord? And why now? With her? I mean, him? Lord, did you make a mistake when you gave me that kid? That wasn't what I ordered. I wanted a uh, uh, withdrawn calm 
who keeps their hands in their pockets and not everybody else's, who does not think they're a plumber at the age of four, If you go to any bathrooms in the church, flush first. Who knows? My plumbing grandson may have been there before you. I love it. Just like their grandmother. What kind of decision, Lord, why would you break up what's going on in Jerusalem to go and send the evangelist, the preacher, down to Gaza? Every person, every person is important, but no person is indispensable. Now we need to realize that. Serving God is an honor. Serving the Lord in His local church is a blessing. It is uh, the epitome of everything that is godly. And what a wonderful thing it is to serve the Lord in his local church. Every person is important, but no person is indispensable. You see, when Stephen is stoned, God has a Philip. And when... Everybody thinks that everything is dependent upon Philip in Samaria. God moves the Philip. And now he's not preaching to huge crowds and seeing people healed and witnessing miracles beyond all imagination. Now he's by himself on a lonely road headed south to meet somebody he's never met. Besides that, when he gets there, he got to run him down and catch the chariot and get on board. The value of one. Who is this guy in this chariot? We know the value of Stephen. We know the value of that man who... Help the garments, Saul. We know the value of peace. Who is this guy in this chariot? The value of one. Every sinner, every sinner is important. And the Savior is indispensable. With the book of Isaiah in his hand. Can you imagine what the book of Isaiah must have sold for in that day when they were all handwritten 
by individual scribes. He's sitting in his chariot with a copy of the book of Isaiah. He's from Ethiopia. He's been to Jerusalem and evidently has been Judaized and knows of the God of heaven. He just don't know the God of heaven. And he's sitting in his chariot reading a copy. Can you imagine how difficult it must have been to obtain a single copy of the Old Testament when it's all handwritten and checked and rechecked for error. And he is reading his own personal copy of Isaiah. A lost black man from Ethiopia has made the journey from Africa all the way to Jerusalem to worship this God he's heard about but does not know. Wow. That'll almost boggle your mind. He's been to the center of Judaism and Christianity. He's been to Jerusalem for to worship and he's now on his way back to Ethiopia as lost and as empty as he was before he started his journey several months ago. We complain about when Brother Wolfenbarger starts chasing rabbits and we have to stay 40 minutes in a service. I don't think this man would have complained about a 40-minute service about the way, the truth, and the life. When he's sitting in a chariot and has the book of Isaiah 53 talking about he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we were healed. I don't think that Ethiopian would ever have got tired in a 40 minute sermon about he who is altogether lovely. Amen. The power, the value of one to stop a meeting where revival is broken out and take the key individual instrumental in that meeting and move him, if you please, out of the revival and send him south down the road to Gaza. Something must be pretty special Notice, if you would please, the value of one. The value, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world, you know the rest, and should lose his own soul? You know what God thought of that fellow sitting in that chariot? That black man? That eunuch, 
To God, he is worth more than all the world. The value of one. How many do we walk by each day? They're not in the chariot. They're locked up in the prison house of sin. Doomed without Christ. Oh, we don't know what that individual could or might become. But I know what it took to redeem them. The precious blood of the Lamb. Without spot and without blemish. The value of one. The revival is going on. Notice the speech in verse number 27 and 28. The speech. I'm sorry, verse 26. And verse number 26, I must hurry. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is a desert. Hmm. The speech. Verse 26. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is desert. That don't sound to me like any kind of promotion. But yet, I don't see any argument from Philip. I I don't see any hesitation. I, I don't see any... Well, Lord, I'll be ready to go when I get my crops laid by, when I get all the corn hoed and all the tobacco fixed and all the fertilizer out and I get all the kids out of school and I get all my golfing done and I get all of my goofing done. Lord, I'll be ready to go. God said, don't mess with me. Just arise and go. God said, Don't need your argument. I don't want to hear your excuses. Just leave where you are. Go where I tell you. Don't try to figure it out. Don't need your excuses. Don't question the timing. Arise and go. Isn't it strange God got to beg us to do stuff? Can't you see the God of all creation on his hands and knees begging you to be back Wednesday night? Please. That's how big your God is when you get sick. You need to pray to somebody else. If that's how big your God is, the next time you get broke, you'd be better off to go to the bank. Boy, that went over like a pregnant pole vaulter, didn't it? 
Are you listening to me tonight? Listen to the speech. His spirit beareth witness with our spirit. Listen to me tonight. Are you so sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God? Are you so filled with the Word of God? Are you so engrossed in doing the way of God that God can speak to you and lead you on a daily basis? This guy was. And the Bible says, arise and go. The matter at hand is a matter of obedience. It's not a matter of God not leading. It's just a matter of obedience. We know enough of this book to know what God wants us to do. Know where God wants us to go. To say what God wants us to say. It's just a matter of obedience. Someone has said, the boss is not always right. But you need to remember, he is always the boss. You may think that God is not always right. But there's one thing you and I must always continually remember that He is always God. And when God speaks, we are to arise and go. Why? The value of one. The speech Verse 27 and 28, we're introduced to the one, a sinner. Yes. Verse 27 and 28. And he arose and went. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Cadus, queen of the Ethiopians, the secretary of treasure, if you please, of Ethiopia. He has so committed his life that nothing else is important in his life but serving his queen. Notice the word eunuch. I will not explain to you what that is because Matthew has already explained it for you in Matthew 19 and verse 12. And any time you'd like to, you can investigate that. And I will not Beleaguer the point tonight in this mixed company. But he is totally dedicated to his queen and to his position and to his office. He is a man that has arisen through the ranks and have come to a place of great authority, if you please. He is a master at what he's doing. He is a Gentile. He is religious. And he is needy. Verse 31. He is needy. Oh. Why in the world don't you just read that book of Isaiah chapter 30. And Philip ran thither. And heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And said understandest thou what thou readest. A classic And he said, don't miss this. How can I? 
except some man guide me. Sinners don't understand spiritual things. They realize their spiritual need, but they can read the Bible from front to back and it's just a book. They need some man to guide them. In the mind of God, this one individual riding along on the road with his entourage, reading the book of Isaiah, in the mind of God, God thought, now that's a valuable individual. Valuable enough, bless your heart, to shut down a meeting in Samaria. Valuable enough to arrange the timing of a deacon by the name of Philip who's preaching a meeting in Samaria to arrange what time the Ethiopian left Jerusalem and what time he'd have to get Philip to leave Samaria. And somehow or another to arrange to where they could meet in the crossroads of life. What an accident. What an unusual situation that the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip arrived at the same place in this big old world at the same time with the same thing on their mind. The value of one to get God to throw all the cogs and machinery and computerization that there is in heaven to arrange the events in a world so large and so full of people that this one black man would arrive at the same place as this Holy Spirit-filled deacon. What a coincidence. <laughs> I see you're immensely impressed. But to me, that is a mind boggler. The speech arise and go. The center, I have an Ethiopian eunuch, the Secretary of Treasury the country of Ethiopia sitting in a chariot on the road going down to Gaza. Verse 34, I mean 30 and verse 34. Now I see the speed. Verse 30, and Philip ran thither to him. Ran? Oh, yes. Ran. 
And they heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest. And he said, how can, I, how can I accept some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. I bet Philip was glad of that because I bet he'd get tired running alongside that chariot. His tongue hanging out. I'm sure glad you asked me to ride. The entourage, as they made their way back to Ethiopia, the Bible says that Philip started at the same place where he was and preached Jesus unto him. Isn't that what he is doing up in Samaria? Preaching Jesus. Don't you think that may be what we ought to stick to around here? Amen. Yeah, don't you think maybe Trump and all the Trumpets can handle politics? Yeah. Well, preacher, what do you think about politics? I think it's crooked. I think if you look at the definition of politician, you'll probably understand why they're crooked. Compromise. Don't you think maybe we ought to stick to preaching Jesus around here? Uh, politics ain't going to change much, and it's not going to change people. I tell you what changes people. Jesus changes people. And he preached Jesus unto them. Now notice he ran, he ran to him. And I, I, I like that. I really do. I, I just believe. And the place where he, the scripture was, he read was this. He was, this verse 32, was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearers, so opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip. And said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Now listen. And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. I like Philip because time was of the essence. We need, like he, to grasp. The opportunity. Now, I don't know if you know it or not, but you're getting old. There was a time when I wasn't the oldest guy in this church. But I'm quickly slipping up on some of you folk. And my get up and go is not getting up and going like I wanted to because I think years ago it got up and went. And if you're going to do anything for Christ, time is of the essence. The Ethiopian eunuch is on his way back to Africa. Philip, you don't have time to get everything straight before you go to meet him at the crossroads of eternity. 
fill up. You don't have time to get all your kids raised before you start attending visitation and going out and inviting folk to come and realizing the value of everyone you talk to about Christ. Time is of the essence. We need to grasp the opportunity. And what I like to say, God is always working on both ends. If he's working in Philip's heart, he's working in the Ethiopian eunuch's heart. If Philip hits a stop sign on the way down the road to Gaza. I'll guarantee the Ethiopian eunuch had a stop sign on his way back to Ethiopia because God had just got to get him together because of the value of one. You say, well, preacher, I'm not very important. Just important enough for God to give his only begotten son. Preacher, I can't do much. God don't want you to do much. He just wants you to do something. See, you don't start doing much. You start doing something. You say, well, preacher, I I can't preach like Brother Andrew I can't either, but I'm not going to quit just because some young whippersnapper comes along sharper than I am. He arose and went the speed. Verse 35, I am so close to closing that my closet is just about over. Verse 35, Watch this. Watch this. And Philip opened his mouth, again at the same scripture, and laid a little psychology on him and told him the reason he's like he is is because the way he was treated by mom and dad when he was a kid. Why does everybody get so hung up on psychological principles and psychological preaching like comes from Houston through old Smiley? I got to be nice because at my age... I don't know where else I'd go except to heaven. But we have no other message. Philip's passion and purpose on this earth was to preach Christ. No matter if in Samaria... Or in the desert, by the roadside, on the way to Gaza, preaching Jesus still worked. No matter if the sinner is a Samaritan, an Ethiopian, 
a Jew or a heathen. The solution was Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none of the name under heaven given among men. Whereby we must be saved. You can find it in the book of Exodus. You can find it in the book of Isaiah. You can find it in just about every book in the Bible. And it always screams to the top of its voice. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spurgeon said. We have a great need for Christ. And a great Christ for our needs. I believe that. Do you believe that? As they threw the rocks and crashed in on that deacon by the name of Stephen. There was one message that rang out. Jesus saves. On the road to Damascus, there was a road Jesus saves. Up in Samaria, that godless heathen city filled with Gentile dogs, there was one message that worked. Jesus saves. And on the road... To Gaza, the secretary of treasury of the country of Ethiopia, there was one message, and it was Jesus saves. What's our message? We've got a great church. No, we've got a great God. We've got a wonderful preacher. Yes, you do. But our message is not a wonderful preacher or a faithful preacher or two faithful pastors. Our message is we've got a wonderful Savior. Yes, I see the speech, the center, the spirit, the speed, and the salvation. And this is what most folks are leaving out anymore. Verse 36, I close. In verse 36, and as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Hear much about that lately? Wonder why you don't hear much about baptism anymore. The New Testament of church believed and practiced baptism. Three thousand on the day of Pentecost, and they that gladly received his word were baptized the same day with added under the number three thousand. You can go to churches all over this country. And you can join without baptism. I mean, 
Muddy water on empty head don't do anything for folk. Why does this guy, this very important individual down in Ethiopia, this, this secretary of treasure, this uh, man of great authority, why, it's going to be embarrassing for that guy to follow the Lord and believe his baptism. Not really, after all, it's not important. Well, it's important enough to put in the Bible. I thought I read one time. Whosoever shall be ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of him. Whosoever confesses me, I, him will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. And this fellow got saved. And he says to Philip, hey, there's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Notice, if you would please, the willingness of the new convert. Why is it we got to tie and beg and plead and trick converts to get baptized? They didn't have to do that to me. When I got saved, the preacher looked at me and said, now the next thing you do... The very first thing that's commanded by the Lord is for you to follow him in believer baptism. I said, oh, I got that straightened out. I baptized when I was 13 in a creek that had to break ice to put me in the water. And I've been cold ever since. He said, well, now you got a problem, Gene. I said, what's that? He said, you got to be saved first, then baptized. What you did in that creek has just got wet again. Because you wasn't saved. And to be baptized, you got to be saved. You understand that? And so that Ethiopian eunuch said, Well, let me tell you what I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And Philip said, Whoa. Stop that chariot. And I don't know if you've seen that sinful movie, Where Art Thou Brother? I haven't seen it. I talked to Sean about it the other day, and he explained it all to me. And they all went down to the river. And he was baptized. The willingness to follow the Lord and believe his baptism. Saved people are willing people. Saved people have repented of their own way. Saved people have committed their way to his way. Saved people have no trouble getting baptized. They are not only willing, they are anxious. He said, hey man, what hinders me from being baptized? The symbol. Notice the rejoicing, verse 39. Rejoicing. In verse 39. It says, and when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, <coughs> that the eunuch saw him no more. <coughs> and he went on his way, <laughs> coughing, rejoicing. Wouldn't it be nice to really 
become a part of the verses that talks about he that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtlessly come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The value of one. The value of a Baptist deacon so committed to the cause of Christ that he stood as they drove his life from him, cast those huge rocks and stoned him to death. To stand there and blood running down his face said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And there's a young man standing by watching the clothes whose name, you got it? Whose name was Saul. The value of one. Now Paul is one. The value. Well, we've got a black man now. He's saved. Heaven has a new prospect. Hell has lost an old victim. Jesus has a new brother. And Christ has a new missionary to Africa. The value of one. It could be. It's possible that this Ethiopian eunuch could have been the founder of the Coptic Orthodox Church of Africa, which at one time was the largest community of believers in all the world. Possible. You read the news now. And who's the Muslims killing wholesale in Egypt? The Coptic Christians. Who's Isaac trying to wipe out in the Middle East today? It might be the descendants of a lowly Ethiopian eunuch who got saved on his way back to Africa. Have you ever thought of that one that you lead to Christ? What a value he might or she might be to Christ one day. That little kid that you're raising, the value. God knows the value. We just need to realize everybody is important to God. And everybody deserves a chance, an opportunity to be saved. 
And everybody has a responsibility to share the good news of Jesus Christ.